This is JCU Conversations, a podcast show from James Cook University, Singapore. Tune in as we ask experts in the industry more about their lives and their approach to success. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's listen to today's episode. Hi, I'm Dr. Peng Ji Wang, Associate Professor in Business at James Cook University, Singapore. This is JCU Conversations, a podcast show from James Cook University, Singapore, where we ask experts in the industry more about their lives and their approaches to success. Our guest today is Andrew Gazal. Andrew is the founder and CEO of ESG Tech, a next-generation verifiable data exchange platform for sustainable finance. Andrew was named one of Singapore's top 10 fintech leaders in 2022 at the Singapore Fintech Festival's Global Fintech Awards. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for having us. So ESG stands for Environment, Social and Governance, right? Correct, yes. Mm. So can you tell us a little bit about ESG Tech, uh, what ESG Tech does, and why these three factors, the ESG, are so important to the industry? Yeah, definitely. So ESG Tech as a company is a technology company. We deliver software and we Mm. focus our software related to the space ESG. Um, for us, it's all about operational risk and opportunities within a business. So ESG Tech helps businesses manage the data relative to those metrics or indicators as we call them. Um, what we find is a lot of this is a data issue and mm-hmm. providing data with context is what mm-hmm. we're trying to solve. So mm-hmm. a big part of that is managing data on behalf of users and also providing context that's specific to ESG. Mm, perfect. So just now I, I caught some interesting information, which is, you know, uh, try to get some metrics, some data, mm-hmm. and then try to help the company show that uh, they are having a relatively higher or lower risk, a lower risk, right? So mm-hmm. that is kind of the ESG performance, right? Correct. Okay. Yes. So can you uh, give us a bit more idea? How does uh, ESG Tech help corporations measure these ESG measures, or in using what kind of metrics? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great question. So first of all, we look at data and the protocol in which that data is captured. So mm-hmm. if I'm going to measure something, I want to make sure I'm using the same protocol so mm-hmm. I can compare apples with apples. So ESG Tech has what we call our global indicator library. That indicator library is a basically a register of all the frameworks and standards that um, mm-hmm. are used internationally. And within those frameworks and standards, you would find a metric. So some common ones are GRI and SASB. Uh, Within them, they have industry and sector specific metrics. And with those metrics, you'll have indicators that we call compound up to the metric that would disclose in market. Mm. So with our system, um, companies use it in order to track at an indicator level and then roll up the data to a metric or a disclosure level. When it comes to performance, we don't necessarily tell a company whether they're good or bad. Mm-hmm. We think that that's subjective and it's up mm-hmm. to the company to measure themselves and then mm-hmm. hit, um, provide their own KPI and targets. Mm-hmm. What we hope to do is, um, as companies become more transparent, is allow mm-hmm. peers within industries to see who is a high performer, who is a low performer, what is the mean average, and have mm-hmm. that feedback loop within, within market. Mm, okay, so that sounds quite interesting. <laughs> so, so, uh, so you you also mentioned right. So you're gonna use some of the uh, existing protocols to help the companies identify all of those you know metrics or the indicators, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, how can you help with the companies? You know, the verification of those data because they are gonna tell you this our data, but yeah. Are they relevant? Yeah, Yeah, no, no. we get this a lot from the asset management industry where they Mm -hmm. say, can you verify our portfolio company's Mm -hmm. data? And 
the way we look at it is we provide a digital technology to allow data to be verifiable rather than be the verification. So what I mean by that is if I provide a record or we call it a fact in the system, um, the system allows that user to mm. upload chains of evidence. So it could be a documentation like a power bill that will mm. support the energy consumption that was reported oh. for a specific month. What we also do is try and automate as many processes as possible. So let's say I'm a portfolio manager and I have several mm. portfolio companies and they're all reporting specific to the protocol that I chose through that mm -hmm. global indicator library. I may want to aggregate that data. And right now that's done in Excel and we all know Excel is hugely powerful, but mm -hmm. we need to have checks and balances. So in our system, if that portfolio manager created a calculation, which we mm. call derivation, mm. and it, um, they source the data from each of the portfolio companies, the numbers are automatically generated. So that aggregate roll-up mm. is auditable through mm -hmm. our system. So if a third party, like an auditor comes in, they're able to see that this wasn't a manual calculation, this was a system calculation. Ah, okay, that sounds quite, you know, systematic. Correct, yeah. <laughs> which is <Yeah>. cool. <laughs> yeah, and also, yeah, so just now you have mentioned one, uh, I would say, indicator, which is the energy consumption. However, we know there are so many different <coughs> kinds of industries. And of course, in each industry, there are so many different kinds of companies focusing on different business portfolio, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, are you going to use the same protocol for all of the industries or these protocols would be, you know, specific to some specific industry and then you're going to just withdraw the relevant ones? It's a great question. So. Referring back to our global indicator library, what we're doing is ingesting all of the known standards or frameworks. And mm -hmm. then what we do over time is become somewhat of a trustee of the data, um, what we call information architecture. So mm -hmm. we would look at a region like Singapore, we would pick an industry, say infrastructure, mm -hmm. and then we would look at say buildings, green buildings, mm -hmm. and then we look at the green mark and understand wow. what protocols they are. And wow. we would, as a company, ingest those protocols into our system. So. The user okay. can go through a library and select specific metrics that might be region specific, industry mm. specific. Um, what we also do is we allow the users to compare different protocols and metrics and then make the decision whether they align to how they want to disclose. Because a big mm. part of this market and this industry at the moment is that um, users have so many frameworks and standards yes. that they're being asked to comply with. Mm. And some of the answers are like for like and some of them are similar. And what mm. we see is that similarity is really subjective again, until mm. say, for instance, an auditor comes in and says, mm -hmm. am I looking at this value to this specific protocol? Mm -hmm. Have you answered it entirely? Mm -hmm. And we allow flexibility in that system for the user to make that decision, not for us as a technology oh. provider. Okay, so users will make the final decision. In the Correct, end. yes, oh, yes. It's their data, mm. it's their disclosure. So. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but, but anyway, I would see your company is pretty important because you're going to provide all of these, you know, the professional knowledge, letting <coughs> them know about all of those relevant protocols. Okay, because I, I think not many companies, they have this talent who understands clearly about these protocols, right? Very much so, yeah. Mm. So as a technology company, we mm. partner with global consulting firms mm. and they help businesses go through their materiality assessment. Mm. As you know, you mm -hmm. have to engage multiple stakeholders. That's right. Um, through that process, then they map what we call their disclosure model, which mm -hmm. is aligned with their materiality assessment and the KPIs mm -hmm. on our system. Mm -hmm. What we hope to do is start to see some similarities. Does everyone mm -hmm. within a cohort, within an in industry and region, mm -hmm. report on some key metrics or some oh. key material topics? And then we can start to suggest that to, to the user because ultimately people want to 
um, align with market, but at the That's same right. time choose and have that opportunity to customise where they think something is specific or important to them. Yes, yes, excellent. Okay, so I'm not sure, huh? Because uh, uh, when we, whenever we talk about the ESG, um, many people would also think about another similar term, which is CSR. Yeah, are they the same or different? Um, in my opinion, and mm-hmm. how ESG to ESG Tech looks at it, they're completely different. Um, Mm. The way we look at it is ESG is about material topics that can Mm. have a financial impact on a business. Ah. So I'll give you an example. You may have a company who sponsors a little league team. And if they disclose that information or not, will have an impact to an investor's decision. And you and Mm -hmm. I both know sponsoring a junior little league team is not going to impact my investment decision. So Mm. that's how we split it is what can commercially have an impact on a business and what is something that is good for society but not Mm -hmm. necessarily material to a business decision. Okay, so can I understand it in this way that ESG is more targeted on the uh, investors? Right. Um, yeah. As, Influencing the investor's decision. I think in in, investors and stakeholders. And generally. stakeholders. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. investors are one stakeholder. Mm-hmm. Internal stakeholders might mm-hmm. be your employees, mm-hmm. your supply chain with your mm-hmm. partners. Um, they all um, become factors. Um, mm-hmm. I think what we sometimes see, which has been interesting, is that um, there's a focus on maybe what investors are looking for, what a mm-hmm. frameworks is looking for, rather than the business themselves look at themselves and say. Mm-hmm. Will this have a material impact in my business? Should mm-hmm. I be tracking this? And mm-hmm. it's a great conversation, which I think will take part between mm. corporates and financial institutions, because ultimately the corporates are the ones bearing all the issue. You that's have five right. LPs saying, I want data in this way. I want this that's protocol. Right. Yeah. You have a regulator that's going to soon be asking mm. questions and mm. the burden is growing on the corporate. So that corporate needs to take control and say, look, this Mm. is what's material to my business. This is compliant Mm. with regulation and Mm. this is how I will disclose the data. Mm. Sure. Okay, great. Yeah. So about something about yourself, uh, because I've noticed that you have really extensive career in engineering (coughs) before you really committed into this ESG tech. So um, what led you to set up this company? Being an engineer before. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as you know, most engineers find a problem and then find a solution for that problem. So Mm -hmm. I saw a problem in my career and um, ESG Tech was that solution. So a bit of background, I'm an engineer, uh, I studied naval architecture and subsea engineering and I spent most of my career in the energy sector. Um, What we noticed or what I noticed was there was more questions being framed as ESG metrics from Mm -hmm. financial institutions coming on to um, oil and gas or energy projects Mm -hmm. and the questions were quite vague or not necessarily hitting the topic of material Mm -hmm. assessment of Mm -hmm. the project or of the company Mm -hmm. and as engineers we spend our whole time looking at risks and mitigating those risks and Mm -hmm. and managing those risks across a project Mm -hmm. so seeing that there is that disconnect between how a financial institution and a corporate communicate I saw that technology would have to play a part for this Mm -hmm. to be more efficient in how the comms and the amount of conversation is going to happen. The other part which we started to notice was, and this is as the company has has, um, grown, was that this information is now being asked to be audited. And Mm -hmm. we already know that the auditors um, are inundated with work with just financial metrics, but then when you start to lay over ESG metrics, computers and software need to play a, a big part in automating and streaming processes, not necessarily making the decisions on the auditor's behalf, but being able to find inaccuracies or point out things which then an auditor can focus on. So we Mm -hmm. hope that as regulation comes in, technology Mm -hmm. will have to grow to simply um, Mm -hmm. deal with the demand. Mm, Perfect. Nice. 
Okay, so um, yeah, as you have mentioned, right? So the company's job is really to manage the data and then uh, make sure that the data is organized and presented to align with the regulatory, you know, requirements. And um, so, uh, having seen all of those data, have you found out some fascinating insights? Um, yeah, look, I think some interesting information is coming out of that asset management class mm -hmm. where you have a company, sorry, you have a fund manager that has an ESG thematic on the fund. They've selected some, mm -hmm. let's say, generic or generalized material topics, and then they're trying to overlay them on the portfolio companies. And not necessarily does the metrics within the ESG thematic of the fund align mm -hmm. specifically to the materiality of those portfolio mm -hmm. companies. So, an example is an asset manager who had an ESG thematic looking at carbon and net zero for E. Mm. Uh, they looked at diversity and inclusion for S. And then for G, they were looking at basic policy governance within the company. They were doing a due diligence on a um, med tech that was in hardware and software. And when you look at those carbon emissions, diversity and general policies, it's not really looking at what are the high risks or the materiality concerns within a business like that. So. When we looked at it, we saw, well, you should be selecting things like e-waste because you have hardware and software, mm -hmm. um, inclusive pricing because you're in that medical profession or medical supply, so you need to ensure mm -hmm. that everyone, it's accessible to all, and then um, patient data security. So being ensure that no one can hack their systems where all their um, patient data is supplied. So mm -hmm. we hope that our system can help fund managers, can help asset managers be more specific to the mm. corporates that they're looking at uh, mm. and then feed that data up to a more generalized metric, which then they can present to their LPs. Mm, excellent example. I really can see this example illustrates very well about the one of the important principles of reporting the ESG, which is the materiality. Mm -hmm. They also have to choose the, the relevant data to report, right? Correct, yes. Okay. <coughs> yeah. And then uh, regarding, because just now you shared some example regarding the, 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 the medical sector. So have you found out, is there any uh, difference between the big companies and the small companies regarding their ESG reporting? Which one is more, you know, active? <laughs> <laughs> um, they're both price conscious, that's something we're seeing across the board is mm. if you're a large um, publicly listed company, if you're mm. a private SME, the um, Exco are conscious about how much does software cost within the system. Mm. In terms of them rolling out the system and, and how good they are from a materiality assessment, I think we're seeing pressure from public, public equities because of the LPs and the mm. driving of market that I want greater transparency. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's not um, relevant to SMEs. Um, two ways we look at it is that usually a publicly listed disclosure is made up of a supply chain. Mm -hmm. Their supply chain are usually private SMEs. So that data mm -hmm. relationship right. is connected. And mm -hmm. using technology like ESG Tech, mm -hmm. we can automate that aggregation of supply chain data. Mm -hmm. um, but as an SME, and we are an SME ourselves, is you need to measure your business performance. And mm. when we look at sustainability, is the business sustainable? Are there elements which we need to improve? And so on and so forth. So we encourage smaller companies to, if not look at software straight away, but do a materiality assessment, mm. um, research. There's enough on the internet before you have to go to consultants. Mm -hmm. But then it also is helpful to have someone to guide and ensure what you're selecting is right. Um, mm. When you've reached that, um, level of progressiveness, then using technology just creates efficiencies like anything else in any other mm, business. Yeah. Excel can do pretty much everything for everyone's business, but Zoho still is, is still here. Sure. There's all these zeros still here for accounting. Mm -hmm. So ESG tech is 
that way of creating efficiencies within ESG data management. Yeah, sure. I can see um, the some some very good insights from what you have shared just now. That the SMEs they they also need to commit into this ESG, mm-hmm. okay, because they really have to become the suppliers for those big companies, right? Exactly. Yeah. So I see the meaning of you know having introducing this kind of a software yeah. uh, to help with their efficient reporting. Um, and then, uh, so on the environmental side of things, um, is there any more way that the companies could become more sustainable from your... Yeah, look, um, and again, this is my own mm. opinion. Um, environmental, there's a lot of focus on mm. carbon at the moment. Mm. Um, we're seeing that everywhere. Mm. Measure your carbon emissions, net zero um, strategies and pledges. Um, but carbon's not necessarily the key material risk in all businesses. We all are exposed to it, don't get me wrong, but Mm. there are other elements, um, water management, biodiversity, which are more important than carbon emissions or carbon Mm. reduction within specific businesses. So Mm. I think it's making sure that when you read publications and articles, and there was one that came out, I think, um, out of the Times about the S and G are not important, just focus on the E, E. To me, that's not the right statement because, mm. as again, as an engineer, someone who looks at risk, you have to take into account all internal and external material mm. topics, mm. Um, and that includes social and governance, and in environment, includes more than just carbon. Yeah, that's right. I totally agree. Yeah, and then uh, so um, related to the, the 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 question that I I asked just now. So, um, in your opinion, what can people at a C-suite level um, and or at the management level? can do to lead by example and effectively manage their risks? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think this comes back to just good business governance, Mm -hmm. um, knowing how healthy is your business Mm -hmm. and how can I improve the health of that business? Um, We are a private company. Um, We still create an ESG report um, Mm -hmm. using our platform. Um, And a part of that is being transparent with your employees, with your stakeholders. Um, Mm -hmm. So I encourage in Xcos to look at what are the KPIs that they're already tracking and mm. they'll be surprised to see some of those KPIs could be considered mm. ESG metrics or ESG mm. KPIs. Um, it's that leap to think that you can do it rather than being pushed to say, I have to do it um, mm. and you'll see the benefits of it. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so um, one last question. Okay, so Something that I feel curious, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> you have been success, so successful. But if you are able to travel back in time, yes. so what kind of advice would you give your younger self? <laughs> <laughs> um, so from a career standpoint, I wouldn't change anything. Mm. I learned a huge amount in the energy mm. sector and mm. it exposed me all around the world. Mm. From a personal perspective, I would say save more and invest more when I'm younger because then it gives you that opportunity to try new things without depending on others when you're older in life. I think you go from Mm. graduate, you get your first um, Mm. uh, employment or or career, Mm. you start earning, you start spending and you kind of forget about the future you and Mm -hmm. I think investing and saving is hugely important to provide opportunities later in life. Long-term orientation. Yes. Okay, yes, excellent definitely. advice. Yeah. Okay, so this has been a very wonderful discussion, Andrew. Okay, thank you very much for sharing all of these insights with us. Um, and then I think, um, do you want, uh, you know, uh, let the listeners know uh, where you can where they can find you online? Yeah, yeah. Look, so um, where uh, our website is esgtech.co, that's C-O. 
Mm. Um, and we're a Singaporean-founded company, so you can find us in Kyongsak if you want to see us in person. Um, and we're always happy to have conversations with anyone. So. Okay, perfect. perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having yeah. us. It's been a pleasure.